Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today's audio comes from our Mission Live broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook live every Monday from 9 to 10. Um, or you can just continue to listen and check out the audio that we've stripped off just for you here on the Mission Podcast. Welcome. You have made it for another Mission Live. And boy, do we got a great show for you today. Today is President's Day uh, all across the United States. We're celebrating presidents, uh, both past and current. Um, Probably more past than current, but uh, I'm sure there's some that are celebrating current as well. Um, Anyways, today's show, we are going to have this. We're going to be talking about framing in the news. So in our news section, rather than talking about actual news articles, uh, which we will be talking about, some of them we'll be talking about framing and why why having a clear lens is so important. We're going to be talking, we're going to be doing a a a mission ministry spotlight. If I slow down a little bit, it'll help. We're going to do a ministry spotlight uh, for our friends U-Turn for Christ, and then we're going to be Talking to our guest today is Richard Emmons from the Josephine County Eagle. And uh, boy, oh boy, that's going to be an exciting conversation. We'll just be talking about what's going on there. How do you get a copy? What? Why did he do what he did? And maybe why you should think about starting your own eagle in your own uh, county. So that's going to be really exciting. We'll also have a uh, testimony update from one of our uh, graduates, a mission graduate, John Amato, and we're looking forward to that. He sent us a little update, and we'll have our book review and closing thoughts. So today, let's go ahead and go to our Talk of the Town. Talk of the Town today is about framing. Why a clear lens is so important. So really what this is about is about becoming aware of buzzwords and phrases that are designed to change how you feel about ideas. You know, we, we talk about, I watched a show that did, um, that was talking about framing, uh, guys called the BS guys, the behavioral science guys, and they were talking about how um, the MX missile uh, on one context, they are weapons of mass destruction, but if you frame them as peacekeeping missiles, huh, don't you feel so much better? Framing is really, is really important, and having a clear lens is really important because what you ought to know is that missiles all blow things up. They all do the same thing either way. So here's some examples. Um, unhoused or houselessness rather than homeless, transient, or vagrant. So when you're reading the news and you hear the words unhoused or houselessness, they are actually intentionally trying to ensure that our attention is on a housing crisis rather than on bad decisions, addiction, recovery, mental illness solutions, and the whatnot. So um, what it does is it connects my feelings and yours about my own high rent or mortgage prices or yours to homelessness. So, so you have a right to be outraged because you, uh, you, you are part of this drama that, that's, that's really not 
you're not part of the drama. You've made good choices. You can afford your own rent and mortgage. We have a news article that, that kind of talks about this uh, in the bulletin. Um, the title is Faces of Homelessness Meet Central Oregon's Houseless Community. And again, it's used routinely. It's, it's uh, intentionally used to make, the, make you think, is my problem homelessness? And a home, having a home, doesn't it's, it means a whole lot different than, than a house, having a house. And anybody knows who's had a house for any length of time that sometimes having a house isn't the same as having a home. Okay, how about this? Um, no other options rather than options we just don't like. So the purpose that they use in saying there's no other options is to diminish existing options and set the stage for demanding taxpayer-funded options. So here's an example, um, and this, is, this was used in a uh, JPR article, Jefferson Public Radio article, um, where actually what they're doing is they're quoting the judge from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, in the lawsuit against both Boise and uh, in the lawsuits against Boise and against Grants Pass. And it says this, as, as long as there is no options of sleeping indoors, the government cannot criminalize indigent homeless people for sleeping outdoors on public property on the false premise that they had a choice in the matter. Okay. And the argument is, and this is from uh, that was from Ronald E. Bush, the court mag- the court's chief magistrate judge, who wrote in the ruling. Now the the problem with this is that they're making the artic- they're making it seem like there are no other options. In the meantime, there are gospel rescue missions everywhere who um, have plenty of room in their in their uh, programs and uh, most gospel rescue missions that I've talked to in the state of Oregon are at about half their capacity okay and and somewhere at, at half or maybe even less than half now this didn't always used to be but suddenly has been in the last three or four years um, and again when they say well there's no other options well sure there are there's gospel rescue missions oh but those guys have rules and they're and they're um, they're Christians. And you go, okay, but that didn't change what I just said. There are other options. They're just not ones that you like. And um, that's part of the thing. You, you can't just decide arbitrarily that this option isn't an option because Christians are offering it or because uh, there are rules to uh, make the place safe, um, which leads us really to the next framing low or no barrier shelters. So they're going to call something a low slash no barrier shelter rather than safe and healthy shelters with rules to ensure that they stay that way. So um, the purpose behind these kinds of things is to infer that rules are impossible for many homeless people to abide by and thereby are not good for all people. Now, we we all understand that rules are good for all people. In fact, it's rules that are good for all people that make society work and make society safe and make society healthy. And uh, the article in reference here is an is an example of framing. And this was uh, an example 
um, I forget the articles out of the, it's out of Idaho. Um, says this. It says Idaho police raid protest in downtown Boise, arrest one and seize more camping items. Now, when you talk about the camping items and you go through the article, there's drug paraphernalia, there's all kinds of, there's drugs themselves, there's all kinds of stuff that's illegal and and shouldn't be in there. Okay, the article here is an example of framing of how they want your readers to view police as authoritarians, who raid and arrest and seize. But they also demonstrate, unbeknownst to them, what will result from low-barrier shelters, despite the attempt to make the homeless as people looking just for a place to sleep. The, the issue is, if you have low-barrier shelters, low or no-barrier shelters, what you're going to find is really lawlessness. And and in that lawlessness, you're going to find all the things that you would expect in lawlessness. You're going to find people trafficking one another. You're going to find drugs and, and illegal drug paraphernalia and weaponry and all kinds of other things, people doing harm to each other. And that's interesting because our next framing word is harm reduction. So rather than you would call it harm reduction rather than uh, sterile syringes, naloxone, and associated training, and safe sex supplies. Okay, so we'll call it harm reduction. The purpose here is to move societal thinking towards this, towards the idea that arrest and arrests and consequences are what are really bad, rather than drug use, death, and the decay that's associated with it. So... Um, Really, anytime that you hear harm reduction, what you really should, your first thought should come is free needles, okay? And um, a great example of where this is being employed in its fullest um, is our major cities up and down the West Coast. San Francisco would be a, a prime example. So San Francisco has a budget of over $3 million a year in giving away free needles, and an excellent, if you're looking for an excellent article demonstrating the direction that it would that it would that it would put our cities in harm, the harm reductionists would like to move our society. Read this article at uh, City Journal forward slash San Francisco harm reduction policies a nightmare and. Um, just look at the, the the damage that's being done here. So um, we've got the City Journal article up there. Uh, San Francisco, if you look in this picture, you'll see that there are a bunch of tents in this city center that's really designed for harm reduction. Free needles are given out, all kinds of clean clean drugs and you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, the city spends $60,000 per year per tent that's what your tax dollars are going for, San Franciscans. So, uh, again, um, harm reduction. All in the name of harm reduction. If you want to find good drugs, go to a harm reduction place. Um, I don't know. Here's the other thing you got to recognize. Bait and switch tactics. Okay, so in the case of Blake versus the city of Grants Pass, the main issue that was successfully defended had to do with where a person sleeps. Now, this was clever, clever uh, uh, logistics 
by the attorneys and very not very clever uh, logistics by the city attorney in Grants Pass. The argument was repeatedly made about how unfair the city was to punish a person for where they slept. The argument should have been countered by by saying that no one is afraid of having their children cut on broken sleeping people while being raped while jogging by someone sleeping on a park bench. No one is outraged by vandalism that people make in their sleep in our parks or by the drugs sold by narcoleptics on our freeway exits. When a teenage seasonal city park employee lifts up a bucket that was cleverly placed over a sprinkler only to find herself covered in cleverly placed human fecal matter, this is an incident that actually took place in the city of Grants Pass in 2021. No one thinks, wow, what a random thing to do while somebody's sleeping. <laughs> if we allow the image in our frame to remain focused on a, person, on a person's need for sleep rather than on crime and the general destructive behavior that happens from these people coming into our parks and, and setting up their tent camps, then we'll continue to lose court case after court case and our ability to keep our communities safe. This is what's going on, and this is why framing is so important. Look, you have to have your eyes open to it. You have to see it. Once you see it, here's the cool thing about it. You don't have to fall victim to it anymore. Once you understand the framing, you don't have to, you, you don't have to let it rule the conversation, but you have to listen for buzzwords and you have to be prepared to see how the framing is manipulating how you feel. All right. Next up, we have our ministry spotlight from U-Turn for Christ. My name is Kevin Dar. I'm the senior pastor with U-Turn for Christ. The primary goal of our ministry is to free people from the bondage of addiction to drugs or alcohol. The way our program works is uh, it's a highly structured environment, just meaning someone who's trying to break free from the bondage of a drug or alcohol addiction. The last thing they need is too much free time on their hands, so we keep them engaged mentally, physically, spiritually with different pursuits throughout the week, such as community service, where we've done everything from uh, build ramps so elderly can stay in their homes, to volunteer at church and, and community events. Uh, part of the reason we do that is, is addiction becomes such a selfish pursuit that uh, we teach them the blessings of esteeming others above themselves and ser serving something larger than themselves. Uh, Christ is at the center of everything that we try to do in the ministry because we truly believe that if uh, somebody wants uh, long-lasting change in their life, it's only through a deeper, more personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We are back. All right. Well, I am sitting here with Mr. Richard Emmons. Richard, how you doing? Good Fantastic, you, Brian. Great to see you. He is the, the commander-in-chief, the chief editor and publisher of the Josephine County Eagle. And uh, man, oh man, uh, have we needed a voice in our community that really 
was focused on just telling the story as it is and not really framing something inappropriately, right? That's really right, Brian. Too many times I'd read a paper locally and read about a story that I knew more details. It could be about the Gospel Rescue Mission. It could be about any other issues and find out they're leaving out key pieces of the information and really trying to tell people what to think. So at the Eagle, we try to give people options to think differently by giving them the rest of the story and giving them the context of stories so that they can better judge the situation for themselves. For sure, man. Well, you know, it's, uh, I mean, now you've been on the board of the Gospel Rescue Mission for a long time. You and I have known each other for quite a while. And, um, and, And you and I both have had these ideas of like, Golly, you know, I mean, we go, I'll sit and I'll talk to a, to a, a, a so-called journalist who comes in and, and gives me, you know, a 30-minute conversation, and then I get two sentences of what I said clipped out and framed in their own, their own idea, mm-hmm. and, and, then, and then I'm standing before the board going, Brian, why did you say that? And I go, I didn't. I mean, I kind of did, but that's not what I meant. So... I mean, what gave you the idea, the audacity to try and just go, you know what, I'm just going to start my own paper? Where'd that come from? Well, the idea originated several years ago when a $138 million school bond was on the ballot. And some of us in the community thought the problem with the public schools is not the buildings, but rather what's being taught inside the buildings. And that was a lot of debt for our community to take on. It was creative financing. And we fought that and helped to feed it by putting out oversized postcards that were mailed to 10,000 people in the community. A year later, they came back with another school bond. We did the same thing with the postcards and helped defeat that school bond. Then in uh, January of 2021, just a year ago, another school bond was going on for the other district in the county. And this is all in the, the time of school shutdowns and the economy was shut down. And it was like, this is the last thing we need to bring on this local economy is an $81 million school bond. This time we thought and thought and kicked around some different ideas and the idea of a newspaper as a permanent platform that we can help to get the message out there on numerous issues about what's going on in Josephine County and really build a business around a newspaper And that really was the beginning of the idea, and we did a lot of thinking, a lot of work, a lot of study to come out with our first issue, which was May 1st of 2021. Wow. So, I mean, it's great. The the news media in general, the... the, you know, I don't know what kind of what kind of you know we can call them mainstream or or whatever, but you know they have had kind of a chokehold on on the voice. They've they've had a chokehold on what gets to be said and how it gets to be said. And and so, bottom line was if you can buy the voice, you can have what you're wanting said to be the only voice out there, right? So so what you, what you've done here is presented another opportunity for a different voice. Um, and, and that's phenomenal. How's it, how's it going so far? I mean, do you, are you getting re- pretty good reception, you think? Oh, yeah. The, the response has been very, very positive, very, very encouraging. We launched it by sending the Eagle to every household in Josephine County to let them know we exist. Sure. We now you know, su- su- 
I want to say survive, but survive and thrive based on subscriptions, on advertising, and on support from people in the community that want to see the eagle go bigger sure. and really, really have a bigger impact. So it, all in all, it's going really well. It's like any other startup business. You don't know what you don't know, but you jump in, and you know every leap of faith, you know, you know every startup business is a leap of faith, just like starting Mission TV, Live TV show is a leap of faith. You're, right. You walk by faith, not by sight, and that's part of this newspaper. Well, that's kind of, you know, in, in a world of social media right now, which is kind of the angle that we've gone, is we, we recognize so many people are actually on social media, paying attention to social media, getting their news from social media and everything. We thought, well, let's get in that game and, um, and get our voice out. Um, why did you decide a newspaper? Well, in part because... Newspapers are protected by the First Amendment. I mean, they've been around for hundreds of years. Yep. Uh, there's only one newspaper in town that really focuses on news at the time. So it, it's a way to, to counter that narrative, that story, the way it's being told. Also, the demographics of Josephine County are weighted toward, you know, senior citizens, people that really appreciate a newspaper. And even younger people like reading a newspaper because it's right in their hands you know, we've, we're inundated with email, we're bombarded, you know, with everything digital all the time and a 24-7 news cycle, whereas with a printed newspaper, we're able to sit back, evaluate the news, take the time to do the research, talk to people, edit it, fact check it, and really try to provide a source of news that they can trust within Josephine County. Yeah, that's good. That, that is good and so needed here within Josephine County. Um, so um, let's see, what do we got here? Um, what kind of challenges have you run into? I mean, so I'm, I'm imagining that starting a newspaper, uh, you, know, you know, you just don't go out and go, well, I'm just going to go and uh, I've got, a, I've got a, a printer in my office. You know, I've got a big Xerox in my office and I've got a computer. I'm just going to start printing out a newspaper. I mean, what kind of challenges do you run into running a newspaper? Well, there are many, many challenges. I mean, my title is publisher and editor. The editor is what you hold in your hands when you see the paper. Yeah. That's the final product of a lot of writing and editing and making sure everything fits. The publisher side is the business of running a newspaper, the, the organization, and that includes selling ads, getting the ads done, you know, pricing, subscriptions, circulation, you know, the distribution, all the aspects of a newspaper go into creating a print newspaper, you know, uh, finding vendors that can print the newspaper, we print it here in Southern Oregon, and, it, and then we have to get it out there to the public, convince more people that it's worth it and to support the cause. Very grassroots in, in that sense. Um, so um, I imagine myself being, you know, maybe watching this in Eugene or Salem or Portland or uh, the, the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I'm flattering myself in thinking that there's, there's people that are, might come across us and watch us, you know, in, in those areas, I guess, in a sense. But um, maybe somebody's sitting there going, you know what, our area needs a newspaper. I mean, is, is there a, how did you get the ball even started on this? Do you have any tips for somebody that wanted to start something like that? Well, of course. Well, you know, what I do, whenever I want to learn something, you know, I generally look to buying a book and read about it. And there are books that were printed 15 years ago on how to start a newspaper or a magazine. They're not out of print but yet, but some of them are. Yeah. Some of that is how I do it. I mean, way back in high school when the Rubik's Cube came out, I bought a book on how to solve the Rubik's Cube. 
And I solved it, and I put the book aside, and I never solved it since. Right. But I've done that in many areas of my life. That's sure. just what sure. I do. So what I do nowadays, I read the books, but I also do a lot of online research. I do market research to look at community newspapers around Oregon, mm-hmm. see what's out there, see how they do it, talk to printers, just do a lot of homework, model it out uh, financially to see how it can fly. Because you want the eagle to, to launch and take wing, and you want it to be a long-term, sustainable venture in a community that we believe really needs to hear what the eagle has to say. For sure. Um, I'm thinking about you know things that I, I don't think get enough news in our current, uh, you know, in our current um, uh, newspaper that the, the, the newspaper that has been of record here in Josephine County for for uh, way too long. Um, things that I, I just you're not hearing anything out about like, um, you know, really what's going on in in public schools and the, the damage that's going on from from, uh, you know, both critical race theory and uh, and just this massive push to indoctrinate our kids uh, into kind of this bizarre sexual ideology and stuff. Um, uh, things like uh, homelessness, it's almost always in favor of, you know, it, it's always makes them, the city, make the people of the city look like they're mean, cruel, heartless people who don't care about homeless people. And, um and I'm I'm always stunned at the framing again of, of that kind of stuff, um, the the absolute devastating effects of Measure 110 and the and and the related uh, legalization of marijuana. I don't see any of that um, being published. Um, your your police your police force in town would tell you, but they'd never come on record to say it, just because they they're afraid to keep their jobs and and all that kind of stuff. But I am sure that every one of them, everyone that I've ever talked to, have said this has just been a nightmare. And uh, and so I'm hoping to see more and more articles that talk about these things, even you know from our mental health communities who are struggling with people who are. Who are uh, all you know brutalized by this legalization of drugs and 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 whatnot, and uh, I just think that these are some great articles that you guys take on and, and cover kind of the hard stuff. I mean, it takes courage. Yeah, it does. In fact, it's kind of I smile when you say take on the hard news because when we pull the paper together yeah. and it's like creating a jigsaw puzzle and yeah. each of the pieces are different sizes, the ads and the articles, yeah. and then there's no box lid. And my wife is a very talented graphic designer. She's our design editor. And we make it all fit together. But there are times she says, well, Richard, we cover X, Y, and Z, all negative stories in a sense, but these are what people need to hear. So we do try to have a mix of news with positive news interspersed with the more heavy stories that are hitting us. I mean, the last two years with the COVID-19, both the virus, the illness, but the lockdowns, which are separate from that, the reaction of many governors, including our own, to shut businesses down, to shut schools down, to shut church on Easter, of all things, <laughs> you know, with this quest of trying to control adults and preventing them from doing what they think is best. You know, the irony of living in a state where you can easily buy heroin or you can buy LSD, but you can't buy ivermectin, you know, if you right. want to. I mean, right. where's the irony lost in that? So yeah. you, you it's incredible. So those are all stories being told. Um, the impact of, of 
uh, gender studies, is hitting the public schools. People that graduate as recently as four or five years ago from high school or their children graduate four or five years ago from high school, it's a different world now. For sure. What's being taught now is it's just would blow your minds. And if you saw it, and I've seen some of what's being taught, it is unbelievable how they're indoctrinating children as young as five years old. And what they teach about, just as an example, the family, you know, they teach that, yeah, you can have a mom and dad and kids. That's one way to have a family. Or it could just be a single mom or a single dad. Or it could be two moms or two dads. These are all families. Right. And for, you know, speaking of the homeless, that's like saying, well, that's one way of life. You could live homeless and sleep on a park bench. Or you could have a home where you're surrounded by your family who loves you and helps take care of you. Right. But these are just different options in life. Right. Without any value that, well, one is a much better option than the other option. Right. And and it's it, it's just important to get people uh, up-to-date news on what's really going on so they can then make their own des- decisions for their own children, where they want to educate them. Maybe grandparents want to step up and help subsidize private school or help the mom to homeschool. There are many, many options out there yeah. for parents that want to take more control, take back that responsibility, take back that control. And we live in a state where our governor is the head of public instruction. The law changed in 2012. There's no longer an elected chief of public instruction. So when you vote for the governor, you're voting for the head of the public schools. That's right. And they have incredible influence over what goes on in our local schools. We call them local schools, but in many ways they're Salem schools. Right. Because that's where the money comes from mostly, and that's where the guidelines come in, the policies come in. And we just believe that parents need to get the rest of the story so they can make decisions to help their own kids. Right, right. It, you know, if all they show in the papers or on the newsreels is, um, is you know, children in, you know, uh, is, is 40 children crammed in a 20-room classroom, 20-student classroom, and an exhausted teacher over in the corner who's just going, I need help. Um, and, and then they, and then they say, so vote for these levies and, and everything. Um, then you're, you're going, well, that poor lady, uh, that sounds terrible. Um, you know, let's get her some help and, and everything. And what they're not telling you is the reason that lady looks exhausted is because she's terrified to say what's on her mind. She's terrified that the news media is coming in with cameras, and if she misspeaks, she'll be fired. She'll have she'll she'll lose her job if she doesn't if she doesn't lockstep with the the governor and what the governor says she is to teach. Well, then she is in running a risk of losing her job. And uh, boy, oh boy, uh, we need we need to re to revisit the freedom of the press. You know, it used to be that um, that the freedom of speech and the freedom of the press was seen as um, one of the, it was like, like the fourth branch of government. I mean, it was, it was that important. It was the press that held everybody, that held all the politicians' feet to the fire and exposed everything that they were saying and thinking and da-da-da-da and talking about getting both sides out there. Mm-hmm. And now... It's just it's just everybody who agrees with us. This is who we. This is what's going to be said, and uh, we need more voices out there. That's that is certainly going to uh, change the framing 
And it'll, it'll definitely speak, you know, to our public school systems. It'll definitely uh, affect that and, and affect parenting, the way people parent. Um, but ultimately, it'll affect the, the direction of our society. Again, you, you said it. As long as there are people who just think that homelessness is just one, one choice among many and none of them are either good or bad, then we're in this same spot. Oh, you know, we're, we're sitting, and then we then we're sitting there going, "Well, what's what's the problem with the homeless crisis? What crisis? There's no crisis going on. If it's not bad that they're living like that, then why do I have to help them? And why why what's the crisis? You know, you you can't have it both ways. But they have just tossed out the moral compass, and then they can't figure out why they're not getting anywhere. You know, they they can't figure out why their own children are now you know, turning them in to the, the authorities because they didn't wear a mask in the home kind of stuff, you know, and, and all this craziness. And, uh, but what would they expect? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are people in many communities, as you say, San Francisco to Seattle and everywhere else where a, a local newspaper can help get the word out on various matters. And you can't cancel a newspaper theoretically. Right. You know, unlike Facebook posts and YouTube videos, if you say certain words, you can be taken down by the powers that be at these private companies that uh, have tried to really shape the narrative, really frame the discussion. Yeah. And to get outside the frame is to start a local newspaper, and that's what we're doing here. That's good. And using just guerrilla marketing like you're doing with this TV show is to just get the word out there and the people that want to watch – and want to pay attention, people who want to read the Eagle, uh, when you subscribe, we have an Eagle News Forum, so we can have longer articles and other news that they can read. People can post their own articles. We depend upon citizen reporters that are out and about in the community, and they can share their story, what they see, you know, even in the local parks. You know, what do they see? What's it like to be a mom with, a, you know, a couple kids, and you want to go to Riverside Park, like she did when she was young, right? went with her mom, and now they don't want to go because it's not safe. And that word, that needs to get out there and remind people that this is how it is right now. Yeah, This is how it is right now. And the taxpayers paid for those parks. They should be able to enjoy those parks. And we shouldn't, you know, handcuff the police so that they can't be, you know, caring to people, but not let drug abuse and the needles and all of the abuse... Yeah. of the freedom that they've been given impact other people here in Josephine County. You know, I, I, I've talked to people in Jackson County, Josephine County, Lynn County, Lane County, Marion County, Multnomah County. I've talked to them all in, throughout the state, Klamath County, and, uh, and, and you, Coos County. And, and they're, all, they're all saying the same things. They're, they're all going, you know, this... This narrative has really changed. The public discussion on this has really changed dramatically over the last maybe four to five years. And and um, at first, we, we just thought, here we are in Grants Pass, and we're all alone on this, and maybe it's just us. You know, maybe we're just, we're really just a bad community, because that's kind of the way it was being filtered down to us. And then when I started talking to all these other missions and all these other places, and they're saying, boy, they're saying the same thing in our community. And by golly, they're saying the same in ours. And, and it keeps going around. We realize that the state, 
has means and mechanisms already set up. They've got the infrastructure to get across ideas to, an, to in communities all across the state to, to keep sharing the same narrative. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing and what I'm doing is trying to shift that and take, take control and say there's other ways to get a narrative out. And to fight that and to get out there and talk to the people, it, you know, you don't have to agree with me. Nobody has to agree with you or I on the way we think. But if we're, if we're afraid to listen to each other, if we've decided that we have to cancel and shut down everybody that thinks differently than us, then we're really not exchanging ideas anymore. Then, you know, we are really, truly being mind-controlled in some way. And, and uh, there's just such a fear to, to anyone sharing an, an idea that's different than our own. So if somebody's open to the idea, if this is a good idea to, to think about um, and learn about what, the way people who might think a little differently than me think, and uh, they want to. They're interested in checking out the eagle. How do they get a hold of the eagle? How do they? How do they get on to find the eagle uh, and subscribe? Well, we have a website at jocoeagle.com. Okay. And at jocoeagle.com, they can read you know news stories that we post on there. Most of the stories are inside the Eagle News Forum. Okay. But they can learn about subscribing. They can subscribe. If they're not ready to subscribe, it's $59 per year, okay. and we currently publish six issues per year on the even months of the year. Okay. So we just are publishing February this week, and then we'll be publishing again in April. Okay. So they can subscribe for $59 per year and get access to the print edition as well as the Eagle News Forum, and then I send out daily Eagle News updates to people on our email list. So if they're not quite ready to subscribe, they can join the email list and they can join. And get a flavor for what, what's in the Eagle by just getting, getting the email subscription. That's yeah. right. Okay. That's right. Get to know us. You know, I write those and I just try to cover, you know, news that's happening. Yeah. You know, top, one top story per day. Okay. So I don't pummel them, but generally it's one email Monday through Friday to just help them have, you know, what meetings are going on. Maybe it's a school board meeting or county commissioner's meeting, okay. city council meeting, you know, what's going on and try to share some of that news with, with my own insights on that article. Okay. So much of it is, you know, trying to find trusted sources of news. Yep. Uh, we know we're not infallible, mm -hmm. but we do seek to publish the truth. We have, you know, we edit the articles, we fact check articles, and we do our best to get the news out there so people can trust what they read in sure. the Eagle. And together we can make Josephine County a better place today as well as for future generations. That's great. That's great. Well, I, I often tease our, um, you know, my, my mission residents and even some of our viewers here um, in saying that the, the, the difference between somebody who can't read, who's totally illiterate, and somebody who can read but doesn't is zero. So, so if you're not reading, if you're not taking up information, if you're not, if you're not actively reading something, you're no different than somebody who, who, is, who can't do it, who's illiterate and can't do it. And so the gift of reading is so important. It's something that we ought to do. I would encourage everybody, pick up your latest copy of the Josephine County Eagle, um, and, uh, and give it a check, uh, you know, give it a check out, see what you think, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, and talk to us. I think that it's super important for communities all around to to uh, think think 
about how they about what's the narrative that they're getting in and how they can impact that and and look for again the framing um, and learn to see it when it's there so uh, get away from it so thank you for taking the time and uh, appreciate you coming in and we'll probably have you back in the future as we get hot topics coming off the press. Anytime. Just give me the call, Brian. All right. All right. I appreciate that. So uh, next, we are going to talk to, uh, this is a video that we've had on our website for some time, a graduate from the Gospel Rescue Mission, uh, a good friend, uh, John Amato. Here's his testimony. Check it out. Uh, I'm sitting in Riverside Park here in Grants Pass, and uh, I've done a lot of drug deals here. I've done a lot of drugs here. And I find it uh, ironic that I'm here doing my testimony for change in this specific place where drugs used to abound. My name's John Amato, uh, 44 years old, or soon to be. Uh, I came here to Grants Pass four months ago. Um, it's my fifth time at the Gospel Rescue Mission in Grants Pass. Uh, I have failed four different times not including all my past failures that add up to uh, experience in my mind of thinking now. Uh, I believe in the power of I am and the fact that we have unlimited potential. And I'm very thankful to have a place like the Gospel Rescue Mission in my life because it's allowed me to get set for something more uh, for success. And although I look at success and failure as the same thing, experience, and I find that this doesn't overwhelm me in my life. I believe in the power of I am, the fact that we have unlimited potential. We're only limited by our minds, and we unlimit our minds, we can do anything that we set our minds to. And that God is within, we are a divine spark of the whole, and we're in, in the image of the Creator, and that we're all worth more than all the riches and all the universes put together, each one of us, and He loves each one of us especially much. My life has been about selfish decisions, that have caused a lot of pain for a lot of people, including myself. And all of that pain and misery and grief and agony has been flipped into something wonderful because I chose to submit to Christ last summer under the eclipse of the Son of God on August 21st. I truly gave my life and submitted to Him. And ever since then, everything has changed. I was running with a nationwide warrant. I was picked up on it January 16th. Uh, taken to uh, Clark County, put in prison for two days, and then brought down here to uh, Josephine County. And uh, instead of spending 120 days in jail, I was released 16 days later under the condition that I uh, submit and give everything I have to change. And so I've done that. And in four months, on top of the uh, few months from August 21st, everything has changed. Um, my life has changed, my wife with my relationship, has changed. I'm getting my child back who I was losing through the system. Um, I've met great people. I've made a lot of new friends. I have a direction, a passion in my life now that I've never had before. Uh, I'm open to new things. I'm open to change. I'm open to constant growth, constant pain. And I choose more in my life by becoming less. Less selfish, less miserable less the man I used to be and more the spiritual cloaked in his righteousness which is in through me and he indwells in my body. I don't know where I'm gonna go, I know where I've been 
I know the choices that I've made. I don't regret a single one of them because I wouldn't be who I am today because of it. And it allows me to reach back and empathize and relate to a lot of people now in my life. And that is my mission, to facilitate change in not only my life, but in other people's lives as well, <clears throat> so that they can understand that they are worth it. And my path is to inspire, because I am inspired when I inspire others. I love my life today. I, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. And um, I've shed so many tears. And, and if uh, emotional pain could be considered physical pain, which the mind doesn't know how to re tell the difference, I would be dead a hundred times over. But it's okay, because it's all for something good. And my children actually have a father today. My wife has a husband. My friends have a friend. I have a friend in me. I look in the mirror, I see that reflection staring back, and I, uh, I can honestly say I love you. And I'm grateful. And I have appreciation for every breath when I wake up. And I say thank you, God, every day. I appreciate everything that it is. And I have so much appreciation to the Gospel Rescue Mission, to the men that are running it. And uh, I, I can honestly say that none of this would have been possible had I not been brought here. So... Here's my fifth time. Here's to trying. <laughs> Done with trying. Let's do it. And uh, that's my path in this life uh, today. And I just have to say thank you. So a lot of times we get a question like, okay, you, you had this great video of somebody who uh, did really good at the Gospel Rescue Mission, but how are they doing now? I mean, you know, do they really last? Does things really, does things really go good for them after they leave? Um, well, we, we caught up with our friend John and, uh, and just gave him a shout out the other day and said, hey, John, how are you doing? What's going on? And he sent us this video. Check it out. Hi, uh, my name's John Amato. Uh, this is an update uh, for the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission. Uh, I just wanted to let people know uh, who I am and where I am today uh, from the point of uh, 2018 uh, that I stayed at the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission. Uh, I know that uh, I was offered the opportunity on four different occasions to get my life straightened out and unfortunately that didn't work out uh, when I was at the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission uh, and I was uh, told that I couldn't come back but uh, through the grace of God and the mercy of those uh, at the mission I was offered one last chance a fifth time to uh, see if I couldn't uh, do something with that uh, so I went ahead and became a uh, member uh, of the rescue mission, uh, ended up becoming an RA, uh, ran a real clean program, built a solid foundation of which uh, Christ Jesus uh, is and was the foundation of. Uh, I uh, was working to get my child back from CPS and uh, completed that task, went through um, several treatment uh, facilities uh, with 100% accuracy uh, did what was necessary. Uh, by the end of the uh, CPS case, was offered a mentorship position, uh, both my wife and myself, uh, for other parents going through it. Uh, we chose a different route uh, today. My wife is a full-time caregiver uh, for her family. Uh, she works from home. I am a peer support specialist uh, for Columbia River Mental Health 
here in Vancouver, Washington on the SUD unit. Uh, I am a caseworker, uh, peer support, uh, peer counselor uh, for those that are struggling uh, and in need of um, resources, referrals, or the counseling piece. Uh, I attribute my success uh, 100% to the foundation that was built through uh, my stay at the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission. Uh, and I'm very thankful for the staff uh, and Brian Boteller uh, for the opportunity to, to stay there and get my life straight. Uh, today we are building a business uh, for an automobile dealership to help others who are struggling, uh, who are in sobriety, uh, going through CPS, uh, who are in need of vehicles to help build their credit. Uh, we are also in the process of buying a home for ourselves. And, you know, uh, four and a half years ago, I was destitute on the streets, on parole and probation with nowhere to go and no outlook uh, on life other than the same old thing over and over again. So all that to say, thank you, uh, Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission. Uh, I, I am thankful for everything that you do there, all the services that you offer and the uh, scriptural studies that we do um, wouldn't be who I am today without your help. So thank you and have a great day. Man, thanks, John. Thanks for sending that to us. You know, uh, again, another great testimony of a life changed because of a stay at the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission. Well, now it is time for, we should call this harsh mission rule of the week, but Mission Rule of the Week, here we go. Mission Rule number three. Now again, remember the framing on this. The framing in the community is we have harsh, harsh rules. Here's harsh rule number three. No weapons permitted and no exceptions. All knives, guns, pepper spray, or other such items are to be turned in at check-in for disposal or storage during your stay. Oh, yeah, there's one of the big barriers. Uh, you know, all those mission rules that are super hard. Um, well, what we're trying to do is keep things safe, trying to keep uh, the residents safe and, uh, and staff, staff safe as well. We're trying to keep them safe from each other, okay? Um, so when you hear about mission harsh rules and you hear about how, how bad they are and how rigorous it is and all this kind of stuff, there's rule number three, no weapons. Um, and I'll bet you have that rule at your house, uh, unless you're a gun or knife dealer or something like that. Um, but uh, I'll bet you don't allow homeless people to come in with guns and knives and pepper spray and those kinds of things. Um, okay, and then uh, our book of the week. Now on to our book of the week. Uh, and our book of the week is really a book of the month. It is More God and Less Crime by Byron Johnson. Um, it is Why Faith Matters and How It Could Matter More. I mean, look, this book really describes and lays out the evidence for how when Christians get involved in the community's problems with crime, how in fact they actually solve them, how they actually get in and do work. And it's really Christians that are doing this work. So he studies 
uh, Bob Woodson from the Woodson Center. He studies Chuck Colson's uh, prison fellowship. He, uh, he goes and shows the statistical analysis of how recidivism rates drop, delinquency um, rates drop, and, uh, and shows kind of a path of how Christians can be involved in actually uh, creating mentor programs and helping change the lives of people who've been stuck in, in crime and, uh, and, and in related, you know, just people who have been struggling with issues related to poverty and crime uh, all of their lives. More God, Less Crime by Dr. Byron Johnson. He's from Baylor University. We will have a link to this in our uh, in our show notes. So if you'd like to buy it, uh, click on there and we'll show you right where to go on Amazon to get the book yourself. And again, uh, you ought to read. Reading's good. Okay, final thoughts. I want to read to you a scripture, but um, before I do, you know, I just want to talk again about framing. Every now and again, we get criticism from people, many of whom actually claim to know Jesus concerning the fact that we have made attending chapel and church as an essential part of our program. We get the wagging finger uh, with the scolding, you shouldn't force people to listen to a Bible study or attend church. After all, what would Jesus do? Um, it, it's obvious, it's, it's as if there's, there's some obvious place in the Bible that we're totally ignorant of that tells of Jesus handing out food to everyone uh, and anyone while never telling them who he is. Maybe it's a story of him handing out sandwiches in the park or giving away free sleeping bags. We've never found it. Uh, search as we might, we keep on finding passages that revealed Jesus making absolutely everything about himself. Um, in John chapter 6, verses 24 through 29, it says this, So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got themselves, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on, on him, God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. If we are going to have the audacity to call ourselves Christians, then we have to accept that knowing Christ is more important than eating or housing, or addictions, or race, or sexuality, or anything else. This means that if we give away food but neglect to tell them about Jesus, we are not behaving either like Jesus or his disciples. If we give them clothing but neglect to point to the Savior who can cover our sins with the robe of his righteousness, 
we offer only a temporary solution to an eternal problem. According to Jesus here in John chapter 6, we are doing exactly what Jesus would do by presenting the gospel first. We are a gospel rescue mission. If you support us, it is likely that you already believe in Jesus and understand what we're talking about. And if you don't, if you don't like our message, that's okay because we aren't costing you a penny and our program is 100% voluntary. Unlike other programs that are paid for by tax dollars that are taken from all of us by force, we are not. Every mission resident comes out of their own free will. If you think that being asked to politely and respectfully listen equals having something jammed down one's throat, in your mind, well, then you probably misunderstand how many of your own experiences. Most mission residents come to enjoy our chapels even if they don't agree or aren't persuaded by the teachings of Christianity. We have intelligent conversations and think deeply about, our, about the wisdom of our choices, that, and everyone grows from that. Everybody grows from that. The gospel is the good news that Jesus lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death so that his perfection could be credited to sinners who trusted in him. He tells us that we can either know him as Savior or as judge but that we will all come to bend our knee one way or the other. He didn't die to make us comfortable, but to save us. We will not apologize for the truthfulness of this message. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Folks, that's why we do what we do. That's why the Gospel Rescue Mission does what it does. And if you don't like it, you don't have to come. But we as Christians have to tell the Gospel Rescue Mission. There is no part of homelessness, there's no good news to, to the homeless apart from it. We can make them comfortable, but that's not what we're called to do. Okay, we're made, to, we're, we're made to flourish, and we're made to give glory and honor to our Creator. And the way to do that is to change our lives. The greatest change we ever see are from people who come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to continue to give that message. We don't treat people who don't any poor, more poorly or anyone who does any better. We just, we just tell them because that's what we're called to do. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Mission Live, and we'll see you next week. God bless you. Have a great day.